Hello there. So in the last episode, we saw where Swami Rama was explaining about his master and the prince Swami. So in this episode, he explains the footprints of delusion. Westerners have been hearing many stories about the existence of Yetis, that snowman, and Shangri-La. Although these stories are based on fantasies and fallacies, curiosity mongers from the West are drawn by them and have tried to search the secret Himalayas. They are helped by the community of Sherpa porters who are traditionally trained to climb the mountains and who earn their living by guiding these travelers to the various mountains of the Himalayas. These Sherpa guides have knowledge of the prominent mountain peaks and are very helpful in guiding the climbers and expeditioners. But they have no knowledge of the spiritual tradition of any part of the Himalayas. Many foreigners have gone to these mountains in search of Shangri-La, but Shangri-La does not exist in reality. The myth of Shangri-La is based on the existence of two ancient cave monasteries hidden in the Himalayas. These caves are described in our traditional scriptures and have a long heritage of meditation and spiritual practices. One is situated on the mount of Kinjanjunga at the height of 14,000 feet and the other where I lived is in the deep Himalayas on the borders of Tibet and Garhwal. This cave monastery accommodates many practitioners comfortably. It is situated at a height between 11,500 and 12,000 feet above sea level. Very few people have been to this place. This monastery still exists and there are many Sanskrit, Tibetan and Sandhyabhasha manuscripts preserved there. Foreigners go to the Himalayas and especially to Darjeeling to climb the mountains with the help of the Sherpas. During their expedition, they talk and think of Shangri-La and Etis. They carry cameras, tents, respirators and tinned foods and even litter some of the places in the Himalayas. But there is an unknown part of the Himalayas and those who are not prepared and who cling to their lives should not make an attempt to go there. I once met a rich man from the West along with a team of Indians who were in search of snowmen. I could not convince them that the so-called Etis or snowmen did not exist and they spent four months and $33,000 in search of them. But they returned to Delhi disappointed. This rich American wanted to film a Eti and even published a photograph of a Nepalese sadhu calling that sadhu a snowman. I also met a western woman with two Sherpa guides in Sikkim. She was suffering from severe frostbite. She said her mission in life was to search for snowmen. She stayed in Darjeeling and made three attempts to find the snowman, but she never found one. Though I have been roving in the Himalayas since my childhood, I have never met a snowman. But I have often heard stories about them. Grandmothers in the Himalayan 
villages tell such stories to their grandchildren the story of the snowman is an ancient as the human mind's ability to fantasize in the deep snows one's vision becomes blurred and white bears which are rarely seen in the mountains are mistaken for snowmen from the distance these bears live high in the mountains and steal the food of expeditioners they leave long footprints which are similar to those of the human beings the word eti is misused for snowman it is a sanskrit word which means a renunciate as an austere person and is the name of a group of renunciate sadhus who belong to one of the orders of shankaracharya how strange to use this word for a snowman eti's are human beings and not snowmen the human mind remains under the influence of delusion until ignorance is completely dispelled if there is no clarity of mind the data that is gathered together from the external world is not perceived in a coordinated manner and the clouded mind conceives a false vision this is one of the modifications of the mind like fancy fantasy symbol and ideas maya is cosmic illusion and avidya as is individual ignorance which comes from the lack of knowledge about objects and their nature it is also an illusion the story of bigfoot is based on the belief of a fantasy and this coordinated perception when a bear runs fast in the snow climbs upwards or runs downwards the size of the foot of a bear looks very large when i had a pet bear i myself was surprised to see the big footprint it created it is usually large and similar to a human foot alas the world under the influence of illusion is still searching for the shadows and the large foot i call it himalayan maya i was born and lived in these mountains and i have nothing to say to those who are delighted to believe in these myths and who are still searching for something which never existed god help those misguided souls these are not the footprints of snowmen or etis but of delusion swami rama explains how they lived in the caves those who are really committed to a life of austerity can live conveniently in certain parts of the himalayas where there are small caves to accommodate four to five people there are also a few cave monasteries in the himalayas in which the traditions are unbroken the monastery in which i grew up is one of these in our cave monastery the tradition goes back 4 or 5000 years and it is well remembered we have records of who the first masters were and how the tradition began our cave monastery is a natural cave with many compartments over the centuries the rocks have been slowly carved away to enlarge it more so that it can accommodate many students generations of dwellers have worked to make the cave comfortable and peaceful but it is not very modern 
there are no bathrooms kitchens or other conveniences and yet the monasteries function very well for light inside the cave there is a stick of incense called dhoop which is made of herbs when it burns it gives light and when it is extinguished it gives fragrance dhoop is crushed raw and then made 4 inches long 1 inch thick it burns well and one can read the scriptures in its soothing light when it is extinguished it gives fragrance and works like incense branches of pine and devadaru trees are also useful for making good torches they both have natural resin which helps them to burn without any difficulty the cave is kept quite warm by the dhuni a fire which is never extinguished this fire is constantly supported by huge wooden logs and is regularly and vigilantly fed additional fuel sufficient fuel wood is collected in the summer summer for winter use nutritious vegetables are also grown during the summer on the banks of nearby streams varieties of mushrooms and lingora and ogal two common vegetables which grow wild are also used there there are several varieties of roots two are called tarur and jenti others look and taste like sweet potatoes in our cave we live comfortably on barley potatoes wheat gram and corn which is grown up to 6500 feet in the mountain villages every village mountains maintains a cottage industry which produces high quality wooden blankets carpets and warm cloth a narrow perennial stream of water flows from our mountain cave during november and december when the water freezes we simply melt the snow in other caves where i have lived such as the cave in manali fresh water is not easily available we would fetch water from a distance of 3 to 4 miles there are certain hermitages where masters still teach their students in the ancient manner there the teacher lives in a natural cave and the disciples come from various places to study and practice with him most would be students do not reach these caves however for there is something about the himalayas which protects the teachers from those who are merely curious or who are not prepared for the higher teachings if one leaves his home and starts searching for a master for a teacher only because of curiosity or emotional problems he will not teach these higher elevations he will not have the intense determination and drive required to go on to these those places hidden deep in the himalayas where the great sages dwell teaching is often done by demonstration and goes on at certain fixed times the students are then asked to show their own progress by demonstrating their skills sometimes the teaching is done in silence and when a certain level of attain attainment is reached the teachers ask how will others learn from yogis if you spend your whole life in a cave consequently most of the students leave after few years 
it is important to make one's life creative and helpful but before doing so one should make contact with his own potentials deep within by disciplining disciplining himself and gaining control over his mind speech and action if discipline such as that taught in the cave monasteries is practiced even for few years the flower of life will bloom forever a person who has gained such self mastery lives in the world and yet remains above it unaffected by worldly fetters and problems so there ends chapter first with all the descriptions about his master his place where he lived in the caves uh, the footprints of some delusions such as like the bigfoot it's a myth and then he explains about his uh, family and his master how he met his gurudeva and he initially he described beautifully about the sacred himalayas so there ends chapter 1 in the next chapter we will see how his master teaches thank you for listening